From worlds beyond to right at the gaming table, these are all my fantasy children. To all my fantasy children, my name is Aaron Catano Sayers. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a world-building, character creation, and storytelling podcast where each week, Jeff and I take your brilliant listener-submitted prompt, and we learn about it, we develop it, and we create an original fantasy character, world, detail, myth, what have you, on the spot, out of thin air, and use it to develop an original fantasy world that we've lovingly called... Fantasy. Show kicks ass. It like fucking slaps. Sometimes so you just hard. like sometimes I hear the pitch and I'm like, damn, this is a good fucking podcast. Like whoever came up with this premise, those two must be some kind of deity. And it's true. It's the best show on the internet. We do some good shit. <laughs> but yeah, this is all my fantasy children. I am drinking coffee at the moment. It is what, six o'clock? Yeah, let's go. And uh, I want to talk about stuff that gets us excited this week. Jeff, what's getting you excited this week? What is getting me excited this week? Um, Let's see. I have been watching uh, Poker Face on Peacock. Is that good? I know it has the the gravelly voiced... (laughs) I don't know her name. (laughs) Uh, Natasha Leone. It is legitimately... Very, very good. I'm enjoying it a tremendous amount. It's got big Columbo energy. That's why Uh, you like it. I was like, why are you what? (laughs) It is. Yeah, I mean, it is the most Jeff Stormer thing. It's uh, it's by the guy that made Knives Out and Glass Onion, and it's a Columbo riff. Like, okay, okay. It's like just really fun mystery shows in the the Murder She Wrote Columbo kind of vein. It's really really good there's some very very funny like running jokes and it's just got my brain buzzing it's got me wanting to like make stuff in that way that when you watch something that is of a particular vein you're like i just want to make shit like i I just want to there's something just so exciting about like being creatively inspired not like in a direct like i want to riff on this thing way but just in a like I feel the energy coming off of this piece of art and I want to like capture my like give, capture my own energy and create my own art to match this. It 100. just rules. Yes. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about and it's what gets me excited as well this week is uh I finished The Last of Us Part 2. So I'm like done with the fucking franchise, I guess. And it was I liked it. It had mixed reviews and stuff, but I don't care. I loved it. Um but it got me wanting to create stories. Like, I was like, oh, that story slapped. I want to make one. Like, I want to tell something as good. And I, that's why, like, anybody has ever asked me, which has been, like, once. Like, why the fuck did you become an actor? Why do you hate yourself? And I kind of am like, I always want to be, I want to tell stories that are as good as I think, like, Final Fantasy Seven is. Like, how it moved me as a kid. I want to create something that has that effect on somebody else. You want to create that experience. I feel exactly the same way. Like that's what has always drawn me to being a writer and a storyteller. It's like, I want to, I want to capture the feeling that I get watching something that really gets my engine going. Yes, completely. It is what gets me excited. It's what gets me out of bed. And like, it's what keeps me coming back to like doing this show and doing acting and all that bullshit. (laughs) 
<laughs> what a way to phrase it, Aaron. And uh, but really, though, it is something so nice to consume a piece of media that you have nothing to do with and be like, wow, that really it doesn't make you like weirdly envious of like, man, I wish I were making the adventure zone. You know what I mean? Like that weird kind of feeling. Those yeah. invasive thoughts. There's that yearning to, there's that like, I want to, like, I want to go there feeling. Yes. Of like, it's a little bit envy and a little bit yearning and a little bit jealousy and it's a lot of other things. And then there's just like, sometimes there's just that feeling of like, this vibe like makes me want to like, makes me want to make stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that. I got that feeling watching Poker Face. I also watched The Menu recently. I don't remember if we talked about that on mic. But that was another thing that I watched recently that, like, I went away from just being like, I really just want to, like, make stuff. Like, it just, it, it, it just, it captured, like, it said a lot of things about, like, art and the making of it. Oh, just, like, no, you talked briefly about it. No, we haven't talked about the menu yet. I just saw the trailer recently. Uh, what's it on? Is it, like, a movie it's movie? It's on HBO Max. Okay, cool. I do want to watch that because that is also a very Jeff movie. It is an extremely Jeff movie. It is a more Jeff movie once you sit down with it than okay. like it seems just from the trailer. It's a very mystery island looking type thing. It's a very kind of mist like the but the actual premise of it and this isn't necessarily a spoiler especially cuz like a lot of people have talked about this. The trailer makes it seem like they're they're going to be eating people. They don't eat. Nobody gets eaten. Okay. But it's like much more of a movie about like the the big prem the big premise of the film is essentially like this uh, this chef has gathered a bunch of people that have ruined his life as an artist and like this oh. this dinner is his revenge on the people that took his art from him oh that's kind of sexy i didn't know that i thought it was like you know evil guy invites people to island kills them it's like it's very interesting it's like an interesting movie to watch like it's got a lot to say i i think you will i think you will have a hard time watching it okay but i think you will also love it because it i'm is ready like, for it it is about like the 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 act of making art and how that act interacts with things like fans and critics and it is also <sighs> very specifically about working in the food service industry no but i need to though i need to face my fears i as would King love says. to just like this is going to be bonus audio that we record at some point i would just love to hear your thoughts on mike not over instant message when you watch the menu <laughs> Okay, I will. We will do this. We okay. will do an uh about a boco about the menu. <laughs> I would like that very much. Anyway, that's what's getting me excited this week is just like making shit. Yeah, same, honestly, and consuming things that you love that that bring you to that good place of creation. Not and to phrase to backtrack on what I said before when I was like, oh, I'm not making the adventure zone. What I mean is that feeling that we talk about a lot on the show. We were like, you're behind, you you enjoy something that's so bomb. That you almost feel like you are slacking in your creative process. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that you're like, God, I can't wait to put pen to paper and get fucking cracking again. And there's and there's something about watching something that is like the nature of what we do, right? Like the nature of like the of like what we do with this podcast, with the other podcasts that we make. Like there are there is art forms that like no matter like one of the the in, the, the interesting, heartbreaking, like fascinating things about like making art as an artist is that like certain forms of art there becomes an element of work yes yes like that is just a thing that occurs and so like there are podcasts and shows and things that like for me like watching them becomes like 
analysis. It becomes like like it becomes an element of work of like I watch it and I'm like, oh, they're doing this thing. I could be doing this. Oh, I wish I were doing this. They're doing this better than I am. Like this is this, you know, I think about my own work in that context and it feels a little bit like work. And then there's something like the like when I sit down to watch like the menu or the poker face, which are like things that don't have anything to do with my work. They're entirely in of different worlds or even like a Columbo. I'll sit down and watch it and just be like this fucking like I see like I can see the craft. I can see the the what went into it. But like I'm just like seeing creative wheels turning and it's getting me excited to make cool shit. Exactly. That that is that's where we want to be. And where we are right now, Jeff, is about to fucking do that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm fucking stoked. Prompt this week comes from our Discord from Dwayne Feenstra. Prompt. Waking up in the ruins of an epic battle, a warrior looks around and can't remember if he was the hero or the villain of this story. Prompt. You had mentioned to me that you wanted to talk big battle. Yeah, I've had DBZ on the brain, is Ooh, what it is. I always got um, DBZ on the brain. <laughs> I was just yeah. talking to Sean and Kean last night about do we like uh, Gohan Super Saiyan 2? It was a huge debate whether the Kai version, the OG dub, or the original Japanese, which scream is better because the original Gohan Super Saiyan 2 doesn't have music until the bird, you know, hooking on mm-hmm. the good. But but the the DBZ Funimation one has that like type of fucking music. And it was which one is better. So I've actually been fucking horny for DBZ again. I am so glad that you're on the same I, page. I have been I have been deep in Dragon Ball uh mindset for <clears throat> reasons that podcast listeners will discover in March. Nice. Um I have been deep in a Dragon Ball mindset and so like um i kind of want to like play around in that like space like with those kind of like story tropes and vibes and like that's kind of what i am kind of what i'm what i'm sitting what i'm sitting on like that's the vibe that i'm kind of chasing okay i love this so to let me recircle back let me circle back to this trailer i mean let me circle back to this prompt Waking up in the ruins of an epic battle. Okay, so that, my first initial pitch for you is that first part. The ruins of an epic battle. The ruins, I'm thinking like a lot of time could have passed. Like this person has woken up and it's been like a thousand years since the battle is a mm. thought. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if, yeah, yeah, is yeah. it just like the aftermath? Because if it was the aftermath, it would set aftermath. But I'm like, ruins make me think that I'm like coming to... Uh, putting myself, of course, in this scenario, I come to in like what I look around and it's like a blasted away city or town or region or area. And I, I'm a warrior and I look around. And I can't remember if I was the hero or the villain of this story. Mm, what do mm-hmm. you think about that? I like that. I like that a lot. And the thing that I think about specifically, the thing that I'm kind of tugging on, um, I think what I want, let me, let me, let me look at the prompt again. Cause there's something I kind of want to tug on and I, I kind of want to push away from. Let me pop open the prompt. Something that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with and I want to plan to play with the idea of like, I want to play around with the idea of can't remember a little bit. Like I'm not yep. as enthused with this, with the idea that it's like an amnesia thing no. or anything like that. Like the vibe that I get and Jeff, is like, can you tell me, as we are a show about making better choices, why aren't you a fan of that? 
At, I like as somebody that has as somebody that like has uh, has and knows people with memory related issues like it's not fun it's not it's like a not, cute fucking trope man yeah like, everybody it's uses not something it as, like that, a it's tool. not something that I necessarily want to engage with like it is mm-hmm. like I I but I I like the idea and also like when I read the phrase can't remember if you were the hero or the villain like the vibe that I get is less like a literal can't remember. And more like it's that like I'm, I'm I'm envisioning like looking around and having this moment of like fuck was like was any of that worth it? Oh wow, that's you're you're talking deep philosophical. That's what I mean, and like the idea of like facing that kind of immediately and facing that like a long time afterwards, but immediately after you woke up is like really interesting to me. It's interesting to me like in that sense of like looking around and going like, "Well, fuck. Was any of this for anything?" Holy shit. Okay, that's a big fucking swing. I was okay. So the this per- this person wakes up in the ruins of an epic. They wake up. Were they asleep? Were they in like some kind of stasis? Were they um and uh, someone from Ironworks, did they reboot because they burnt out? You know what I mean? Ooh, the idea of them being a robot is compelling to yes, me. Yes, because it, lore refresher, Junior Wizards, um, we have an island called Ironworks. The people that are on it are sentient robots. They're robots uh, created in the image of speaker. And if you work yourself too hard, you burn out, which literally means like you deactivate and then you reboot and you start all over again with like a new, you basically, it, it has many meanings. So we can kind of fiddle with what that means in this case. But if this is the idea of someone who wakes up, they reboot in the ruins of uh, of an epic battle because they worked too hard. Did they, were they the ones who stopped a calamity? Did they cause a calamity? Were they fighting? Were they healing? Were they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, There's a lot of mm-hmm, implications mm-hmm. that we can futz with. Where it's like, no, they don't remember if they were the hero or the villain of the story, but meaning like, does that mean their participation? I like that. I like the idea that they were participating in a in a in a battle of some kind, and then when they came out the other side, it kind of it. What that says to me is like, over the course of the battle, they faced this moment. And then maybe before they had a ch- like maybe they shut down or, or or got pushed too hard or shut or like knocked unconscious or shut down or burned out, shut down, etc. Before they had a chance to like step back and like it, it's almost this vibe of it's holding out your hand and screaming no a moment too late, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, completely. the vibe I get is like the person being like, wait, shit, like should we not be doing this? And then and then shutdown happens. Okay, because that is what. So, what caused the burnout? We can we can figure that out. You know what? It was overexertion. Was it regret? Because is it from we we described it in the episode like a million years ago of Commander Stonegraph of like you literally work too much because all Ironworks people do is a task all day. We, it was a metaphor for you know literal survival jobs and burnout work. for burnout. Yeah, for yeah. burnout. So. This robot, what were they doing? This iron worker, what were they doing in the battle that caused them to kind of re to shut down and then restart afterward? You know, is mm-hmm. it something we can figure mm-hmm. out at the end 
as we learn a little more about we can we can build out a little more and figure out what yeah. their actual participation was in the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that because I kind of want to like I like I I I like the idea. I'm liking where we're at. We've got like a picture of an ending or like at least a chapter change, right? Yeah, we have something happened. There was a catalyst that caused burnout, then the shutdown, then the, we're, we're, we open on the reboot. The prompt implies the reboot happens. Yeah. Ooh, robots' eyes light up. We're back Looks again. Looks at their hands, says like, was any of this worth it? Now we're flashing back like X amount of days, weeks, years earlier to get to that point. Yes, to figure out if they were the hero or the villain of this story. Now, the image that I want to ask, I just want to like paint the picture, the ruins of an epic battle. I feel like there's a lot of fun clues in there for us. Hey, listener, when you're lost, sometimes just try to paint a picture. Um, Mm -hmm. This ruin, uh, I am seeing like, uh, uh, sort of like you know, toppled pillars. Like I'm seeing a city, not that like a city was destroyed because it could have been a battle took place there uh, eons ago. And this robot has kind of just existed in one spot, almost like a statue while like time passed around them. So it could be the epic, you know, the ruins of a destroyed city or region, or it could have just been like, you know, the clock on that city has gone so far that it rose and fell before this robot rebooted. Yeah. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really like that. I like the I, I I'm increasingly liking the idea of a world forming. Like like again, pulling on Dragon Ball, the visual of the Gohan's friend robot. Android sixteen? No, not Android sixteen. The friend robot from the from when he's in the woods, where there's the episode that he finds that dying robot. Oh gee, when he's a kid, kid, right? Like yeah. a baby, the Piccolo training arc. Oh, forgive me. I haven't seen that in like 25 years. <laughs> uh, there's like a robot buried in the ground. And that's the aesthetic that I get mm. is like this robot like wakes yes. up and like. Yes, 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 yes. But the idea of that happening like in a sewer. Oh, okay. Because like I, if I'm envisioning like a world forming up around it, my brain goes like pulling yourself out of like a stone wall. But it is like the hewn stone wall of like an underground tunnel. You come stumbling out of it and look around and go like, oh, shit. Well, how the fuck did I get here? Okay, so this is this is getting me a little horny for world building. So mm-hmm. when you say sewer, what I like to think of is subterranean, like uh, almost think sub how New York is a city literally sitting on top of like a subway system. Mm-hmm. Imagine if where where this little robot is standing, you know, where they burnt out and shut down. Pew. That was on the ground, but since then, a city has kind of been built on top of them, and they are in the subterranean area, or even, like, in between two walls of a subway. They punch their way out, and they're like, where the fuck? And that's where their journey would begin. They I are like that. Like a city literally built on top of the ruins of an epic battle. I like that. I like that. I like that. Where this robot would open their eyes and see familiar shit, marking, like, Whatever, you know, whatever happened during the battle, whether it be, you know, discarded weapons, you know, uh, you know, siege weapons covered in moss and worn away and rusty. Obviously, I've been playing The Last of Us, but that kind of blown out, destroyed, ruined image would be all around them. But above them is like a new era has basically what I'm trying to imply is that they are from a forgotten time and the world has moved on. Yeah, I really like that. Like, there's a happy city above them, or like a regular-ass place, 
but they are they wake up in the old world of this region, which is mm. like from it's fucked up and it's bad or or it's not or it was just a battle or we don't even know what happened yet. But that's the image I'm getting is that on top of them is a city and they are in like old world where it, it's yeah. as if it, it, imagine if the New York subway system were locked in like 1925. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would and go down they, like, there and be like, holy shit, this is a different era. Like the posters are different. The cars are different. The everything is ancient. Yeah. Okay. So how'd they get there? Was it a battle? Battle is where my head is going. Battle it shall be. Why were they fighting? Who were they fighting? What were they fighting? What were we fighting for? If you know that reference <laughs> from Mega Man. Um, but, you know, uh, what was Zero fighting for? <laughs> no, but- what was Zero fighting for? <laughs> so, question for you. Yeah. This robot was once from... I I will say that unlike all of our other cultures, we're like, oh, they exist all over the world. All robots come from ironworks. They literally... Because that's what we said. We said, like, fucking yeah, right. speaker made them on the island, then they spread out. There are robots that are built in other contexts, but, like, the robots of ironworks are, like, a specific thing in a specific yes. culture in a specific place. And they have, like... They're made by speaker. We said with, like, there's a little spark of magic in them that makes them not automatons. They're people. Like, yeah. they're, they're, a, they're a culture. They're, they're people. They just happen to be fucking robots. Yeah. Um, so this little robot came from Ironworks, came from the island off the coast of Dragon to this place. What is the place they are in? What is this city above them? What is this region? We can just flesh out as many details because this is very much an episode, a uh, session zero episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like us like piecing some things together. Because um, we can figure out what the city used to be by seeing what it is now. You know what I mean? Because we said it's yeah. like a there's a city on top of them that's doing great. If underneath of them, if they've buried this battle in this era, that means they want to forget it or they want to hide it or there's something dangerous down there. I I like the idea of something dangerous. So, okay. Is the robot the thing that's dangerous? Actually, I'm thinking of something. Uh, I'm thinking of a pretty big lore th- pitch. Gimme! Um, especially because we said that we wanted to like pull back some like lore stuff. And, yeah, of like, course. What if Aaron? <laughs> this city is built. The thing that this city, the ruins that this city are built on top of, are part of the naturally occurring dungeon. The Quasar Keep is it? The Quasar Keep. Quasar Keep, indeed. The the naturally occurring dungeon that got that 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 somebody sang the song that yeah, that that, uh, that destroyed uh, Ginger Gallengall sang the song the stars with Standy Pico being uh her tank and they they conquered the Quasar Keep the which is a sentient dungeon it was like defeated and we never decided like how it loses but I imagine it becomes part of fantasy. Uh, yeah, I imagine that like there's just chunks of like it's like a carcass. It, it's like yeah, a, there's carcass of like carcass of a living dungeon is like buried into the grounds of chunks of the earth. You've, did you see the Eternals? Unfortunately, I have not seen the Eternals. Okay, so basically at the end there's a dead Eternal just like in the ocean of the world that's just kind of there, and it's like a big carcass that like stands out. And I think that's that 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 kind of vibe. Like there are chunks of like sentient dungeon like within. And so this is a city that is built on top of that. And like, maybe this is the city of Galangal. Oh, fuck. Okay. Like, I, this is okay. a city. Like, this is a, 
This is like a, a city that was, this is like a, like generations later. This is a city that like was built in, that was built in the memory of this, uh, of this person that like conquered this thing and that this robot like, or maybe it's not even the city of Galangal. Maybe like the, the, maybe the legacy of this dungeon is just forgotten, but like this robot was a thing that I think is sick. Okay. Now my wheels are turning a little bit. Give me the wheels. I love a good parallel story. Yes. I love a good story that is happening at the same time as another thing. I love a good, like, just off to the side of the camera, this other thing is happening. Oh, that's essentially what our show is. <laughs> right. I, I, if you could not tell from the last seven years of podcasts. Yeah, I love that our show happens. is that thing off to the side. Let's talk about that. What if this robot was fighting, was fighting this dungeon, like, specifically? But because it was not singing and because we had said that, like, one of the things about this dungeon was that it fed off of that impulse to fight and to adventure and to delve and, like, it fed off of that, it clashed with a person that, like, naturally had the endless capacity to fight. You mean Standy Pico? Like, this robot, like, cannot, like, will eventually, like, shut down, but will wake up and continue to fight. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they are fighting because they are fighting for, like, the community that they're a part of. But what they realize when they wake up after this is, like, the longer they fought, the more they fed into this dungeon. And, like, there's that moment of, like, fuck, like, I was going on my own and just, like, throwing hands. And if I had helped out other people, fuck. Like, was I extending, was I extending the life of this dungeon by just, like, throwing hands with it on my own for as long as i did i like this and i have a direction that i'd like it i have a pitch go for it hit me um the idea that we said in the quasar keep episode ginger gallangal and standy pico that the two of them fight this dungeon they defeat the quasar keep they solve all its puzzles they battle blah 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 blah. standy pico is fighting for their community and their family ginger gallangal which I know, it's, I think it's Galangal, but I don't care. Um, but Ginger is doing this because they're a cleric and they they know the Song of the Stars. You know, I can't remember all of the plot. Forgive me, yeah. it's like seven years old. However, there are some, what, what I like about the idea of a robot fighting in it infinitely is because we have the lore that robots burn out and reboot. This is a fun twist on the immortal trope. Where it's, if you said this person's been doing this a lot, it's the idea that this little robot has been trying to fight the Quasar Keep, burning out, waking up, doing it all over again, finding a new reason to fight because they have, you know, you restart, but if you burn out and you keep doing the same task over and over again, you're just going to burn out all over again. Mm -hmm. So this robot might have lived like a hundred lifetimes knowing nothing but brawling within the Quasar Keep, getting nowhere until that cycle was broken by Standy Pico and Ginger Gallangal, and now they are awake for the 101th time, and there's no more dungeon. Mm-hmm. Now it's, what do I do now? What is what is my reason now? Am I, that's why it's, I don't know if, this is my pitch, is I don't know if I was the hero or the villain of this story, meaning I don't even know, it. I didn't do anything. And I, I, here's, Here's what I love about this. And what I'm going to throw out is like a meta thing that is uh, like uh, they, I'm hearing that you break down this in a very in a meta sense and it's yeah. got me excited. It's like a life is pointless kind of thing. 
Well, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing and envisioning is going explicit, going meta, and we're going to talk, we're going to peel back the curtain all at once. I'm thinking, I've told you I had Dragon Ball on the brain. Always. And a thing about Dragon Ball that you and I have talked about is like, the vibes of Dragon Ball are different than the vibes of Dragon Ball Z. Goku undergoes like a transformation in the kind of character that he is between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Yes. He goes from being like an adventure, like a wandering, like see the world adventure type to a there is a giant evil space, uh, space landlord that I got to kick his ass type character. Like those are very different. That's a very marked departure in like the kinds of thing that he would become as the stories go on. Yes. What I'm hearing here is essentially the opposite, which is like so like what I'm hearing is like that idea of like. Imagine this robot like wakes up, like pieces together the world that they are in, sees that this dungeon is continuing to expand, finds a town that is in danger that is being consumed by like a dungeon and its various like automaton horrors, battles them off Goku style, is like a fighting robot that just like smashes this thing to bits, like fights itself to the point of exhaustion, shuts down, wakes up sometime later, another town, another place, another fight. And Diz does this kind of Goku superhero thing and then finally wakes up and finds that someone else has like ended the story and like the Quasar Keep has been put away and like has been put to rest and is now like, fuck, like I did it. Like, I don't know if I like I did it. I did not. I did not. Did I accomplish anything other than perpetuate this cycle of violence? And now also like what now? I guess I got to go see the world that is here now that the fighting is over. Jeff. That is very interesting. And my pitch to you is, what if they were bad? What if they wake up from this fucking reboot pissed? That their life, their entire goal of leaving their home to their whole thing, fighting. Everything, fighting, 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 fighting. <laughs> because if that's their task that burns them out, this is what this motherfucker does, is I like brawl this. with I like monsters. This. And so if you take that purpose away... If this hundred shutdowns brawling, you know, yeah, I'm the fucking hero. I'm getting capital A adventure vibes of, you know, you know, these fucking tropes and uh, Mm -hmm. honestly, D&D characters who what's their thing? I don't know. They kill stuff. If you literally take that away from most of those character tropes, there is nothing there. It's just like, oh, we have to talk ourselves out of this. I guess the barbarian's going to sit this entire arc out. That is what I see here with this robot where they wake up in, I honestly love the idea after we talked about this, that the city is built on top of them to be like, yo, there is a fucking being of violence that we have to lock up. We have to, we have to bury this thing. It is, it is spent hundreds, thousands of years killing shit. You know, we, we say the word fighting and like in a dungeon, This motherfucker is tearing shit up. Just couldn't sing the song of the stars, but this being of violence, and we're not saying like a mindless robot. This is a robot who's like, yeah, I'm here to fuck shit up. I'm a D&D character. Time to murder some monsters and animals and people and anything that comes at me in the Quasar Keep. I'm going to fuck it up. 
We don't know. Maybe the first iteration of this robot, the first pre-reboot, because maybe the first iteration of this robot, because I don't know if we do they get do you become a new person every time you reboot or no? Mm, no, I think you just kind of wake up. I, yes. I, I think it is just very much a like you wake up and recover. like you you sleep, you 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 sleep until you recover and then you wake up and then you get back to doing your thing, your task. So if this robot is like I fight, it's what I do. I want to fight, if it's very Goku, I want to fight the strongest shit. Finds the Quasar Keep, is like, I'm home. Like, if Goku was dropped off in the motherfucking Quasar Keep, he would be in heaven. This oh, yeah. way, It would be fucking paradise for Goku. Just fight, like, think about, like, the, the tournament arc in Dragon Ball Super. Literally, Goku's like, yeah, I'm going to beat people's ass so that my universe doesn't get fucking deleted. And that's actually exactly <laughs> what I was going to talk about. What I think is interesting, and this is the thing that I loved about Dragon Ball Super that I know some people like actively did not like. I really loved, in the Tournament of Power arc in Dragon Ball Super, which I guess spoilers for a show that came out several years ago, um, I like that Goku is straight up the villain in the first half of that saga. 100. I love that the show, like, that the show straight up, like, goes, hey, this guy's whole deal is that he just wants to fight and he straight up and there's like an endless parade of characters being like, Goku, back the fuck up. You are putting your universe in danger. And he's like, nah, put the universe on the line. Put all the universes on the line. I'm going to kick some ass. I want to fight. And there's just a bunch of like heroic characters going, don't do this. Like, don't like Goku sit down. Like you don't like you are putting people in danger. And I think like that vibe of like, this character did not set their sights on solving the Quasar Keep. They set their sights on, this is a bigger and badder enemy for me to fight. Yeah. And then they woke up in a world where that's not a thing anymore. What I feel like it is, is when the Quasar Keep was up and running, right? This was like the first challenger to the Quasar goddamn Keep. This robot came in there, was beating some ass, and is basically playing like infinite, uh, a roguelike, but like infinite mode where it's like fight till you drop and then would pass out, basically wake up, get back to fucking work for the course of thousands of years until I feel like this robot was an enemy to uh, uh, Ginger Gallengall and Standy Pico. I feel like when we talk about Ginger Gall, we said in the Standy Pico episode that um, there was like a horde of enemies and Standy Pico was like holding them off because Standy mm-hmm. Pico is like bag is a scarecrow and is like a tank and Ginger Gallengall sang the song of the stars. What I'm starting to think is Standy Pico was throwing hands with this fucking robot. I, 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 I love that. I think that what it is even more so than like there, when, when Ginger is singing the song is like, I like the idea that there is like a big Dragon Ball ass battle between Standy somewhere along the line. Like it's maybe yeah. not the final battle. Yes. Like it's maybe not like as, but like the idea that, yeah, there's a chapter of the story where these two people are like, we're putting us, we're ending this. This is a natural disaster that needs to be like averted. Yeah. And there is this one robot that's like, nah, this is a, this is an enemy that needs to be fought and I am strong enough to fight it. And I like this. This gives me a fucking purpose, dog. Like, this yeah. gives me my literal identity. It gives me, D, like, you know, D&D character style. I've been fighting this for so long. Like, like I'm going to destroy it, and I'm going to destroy And they're like, no, you're not. Like, how long have you been fighting it? The idea that they're fighting because there's just this irreparable difference in uh, in ideology, like, is my shit. It's very DBZ. 
is Jiren and fucking Goku. Yeah, we've reached a point where our viewpoints just are not going to work together and we have to settle this. Like that make that 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 gets me excited. Yes, where someone whose entire let's talk about this robot. Let's like name them. Let's go through. I want to know what they are because it, I think it'll give us a better view of like why the fuck did they fight these two heroes? Um so we've already pretty much just decided that they use they them pronouns. It's great. And yeah. they are a robot built for that that fights. They are a fighting robot, so to speak. Their name. What's their name? Is it right on the nose? Is it something like really direct, like, you know, Punchy McPunch? Or is it something different? Hold on. <laughs> I googled cool medieval weapons and Swordbreaker came up immediately. It's a solid last name. I was just going to say Swordbreaker is just a good name. <laughs> their name is Swordbreaker? Swordbreaker is a good name. <laughs> so their name is Swordbreaker. That is their whole fucking thing. They exist, I feel like, so this is a big pitch and go with me on it. Because they are a bad, you know, this this is this is essentially this is a fucking villain. I'll be real. Yeah. Uh-huh. Swordbreaker was on uh was on Ironworks, and their purpose, they think, is to fuck up adventurers. Like they are, you know what I mean? I, I think of like a lot of times in RPGs when we play them, that like some things exist for the heroes to kick the shit out of. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of enemies strictly exist to give a party XP. This is what this would be, but it's that one it's the one enemy in a JRPG that you can't beat, that you're supposed to lose. Like Swordbreaker is overpowered as fuck. Like a strong robot that's designed not designed for, but finds their purpose in beating the shit out of capital A adventurers and possibly killing them. They break swords. They are the breaker of fucking swords. So they venture out, and if you stumble upon Swordbreaker and you're an adventuring party, prepare to get those ass cheeks clapped because that is this is not a fight you're going to win. So I feel like during the Age of Adventurers, which we talk about a lot because it's fun, about all these people essentially going on classic dungeon crawl adventures and ruining fantasy, and it's a really dark time in the history of the world, there is this... Basically, like, if you ever played an MMO and there's, like, legendary monsters that, like, roam the world and if you run into them, you're probably going to get fucked up. This is Swordbreaker is more like a game master where, like, you're not going to fucking win. It's, like, impossible to beat this robot because that's what they do is beat. They know every move of every one. They know every skill, every way to overcome it. So they travel the fucking world during the Age of Adventurers beating the fucking shit out of everybody they come across, they will appear in dungeons that people are raiding and diving into tombs. Their Swordbreaker fucking wipes the party. Boom. Until they reach the Quasar Keep. They call it home. They set up there, beating the shit out of monsters and entities and whatever creepy crawlies are within this dungeon. And even people trying to solve the Quasar Keep. Even the many heroes who have entered the Quasar Keep trying to beat it. For thousands of years and thousands of reboots... They have just fought until they dropped, restarted, got hyped up, did it all over again until they were, you know, they didn't lose a fight. Technically, the fight was just taken from them. So Swordbreaker is just kind of an enemy in an MMO that you cannot beat. But if you take the game out of it and remove the combat from the equation, what are they? And what do they look like? Like, what kind of robot is this? Because they're for a fun bot. We said that all ironworks are essentially like fun bots. 
you know, made out of like household items. And I, I, I like the idea that like there are there are like household item robots. There are more like elaborate traditional robot robots. But like the aesthetic that I envision is like a robotic. I have a very specific vision in my head for some reason. Lay it on me. Conkledur. Conkledur. The fuck is the Pokemon? The Pokemon with the two st- with the two stone blocks. Oh, <laughs> Everyone, listener, please Google Conkledur Pokemon right now. C O N K L E C O N K E L D U R R. This is kind. Imagine if instead of like holding stone bricks, those were like almost like like punching. Like they like those were like those were like their elbows, and they just have like big giant like punchy arms. I like that. They have big fucking arms and tiny little legs. And they just like <laughs> throw these massive like pneuma- like uh, pneumatic punches. You know, yes. the, like, they're a punching bot. They punch swords like they can break swords. They smash it. Yes, they are sword breaker. They will break your steel magical weapons. And I feel like those big ass arms, they I like this idea of Ironworks robots being able to because i love them and they're like usually very wholesome when we talk about them the idea if they want to they can like kind of punch through magical items like meaning like they're just really fucking strong but most of them just don't brawl (laughs) yeah 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 i like that i like that i like that a lot and like i i that's a vibe that i think is cool is like i'm looking at looking at this picture of of conkledner the pokemon um, what is Conkledur's like nickname? I'm just, I'm just curious. I just, uh, I just Conky? am curious. Like you know, <laughs> Durr. Well, because they, they have like you know the legendary Pokemon, the blank Pokemon. Oh, that I don't know the pillar Pokemon, the, the one muscu- that every it's the muscular Pokemon, the muscular Pokemon. Great, so there. Sword- the muscular Pokemon. The muscular Pokemon. <laughs> um, what I envision is like. I, I love the idea that like you have this 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 robot with these gigantic like thick you know gigantic heavy like um almost anvil arms they're almost like hydro two hydraulic press hydraulic that's the yes that is the word that I've been looking for hydraulic press they are oh, hydraulic press arms but I also think the other thing that makes um makes them like an incredibly dangerous and like scary opponent unbelievably agile. Okay, that's like, awesome. and they're not like like you usually when you see something with like the press arms or whatever, like the joints are limited and they can only kind of do one thing. Imagine if they were all ball joints and could just like hit any any pose and configuration mo- instantaneously. Can they change their form? This is actually something I was thinking about. Yeah. I kind of like the idea. I mean, I kind of think that like uh, this is something that I think about a lot with like um, I you know thinking about like the nature of cybernetics as they connect to like issues of body of body personhood and like things like that. Like I think that it's a thing where like our robots of ironworks change themselves fairly often. Oh, it would be something that you can do a lot. Like you know, if we say that you can reboot, you could literally reimagine yourself. Not even every reboot, like anytime you want. That's kind of what I envision. Like there's there's a there's a, there's a there's a there's a notable ability there to like build the body, build the body that fits your that fits your role in the world and fits like your idea of of beauty and purpose and all of these things. And like that is like a very notable thing that like robots do often, I yes. think. Cool. But like so like imagine so like I think Swordbreaker, like, they picked they picked their purpose as like I am 
a fighter. I smash things. I break, I break adventurers and I break their weapons and I've built myself a body that reflects that. Love and it that. is it is it is agile and it is swift and it is violent and it will it will it killing will win machine. the fight. Like it's a it's a machine to kill or dev- devastate. I built myself as a killing machine. It's 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 exactly what they are built for, and therefore the Quasar Keep, an infinite horde mode dungeon, perfect home for them. But yeah. now they are sealed away. So and, this and- reboot happens. Pretty much after they lose to Standy Pico and Ginger Galangal, this is the next reboot where there is no more dungeon. And it's like, what? And here's what I love about this. I love where we've gotten to. We've gotten back to that opening moment. We've gotten back to the opening beat of the episode, waking up in this dungeon, looking around and not knowing if you were the hero or villain. But I also love that we have completely ended on the opposite side of that phrase. Because this is not a person that would question, like, oh my god, was I actually a villain? This is a person that is going to go, oh, I wasn't a villain. Yeah, I was I was tremendously helpful. Or just, like, I was living my goddamn life. I was trying to brawl. Like, I was doing what I do. Yeah, like, like that, that sense of, like, we started the episode with the question of, am I hero or villain, being like, oh my god, did I actually do something terrible? And I like the idea that this instead has ended in a place of, like... They think I'm a villain? Like, no, I don't think that. And that's what that's where that they don't remember they can't remember if they were hero or villain comes from. Do what do they want now? It do they want revenge? Do they want are they mad because their kind of purpose has been taken from them in a way? Like their reason for being has been taken or just place a place that they called home for millennia, brawlin', has been taken from them. Do they want to get back to sword breaking? Is it something where it's like, this fucking city was built on me, I'm going to go fuck up some adventurers? I think they just want a fight. Mmm, I like this. It's that very superhero, it's that wrestling supervillain, the champion of the universe, where it's like, I show up to fight you. Yes, completely. It's that vibe. It's It's like, hey, I heard there's somebody tough around here, like, I'm rolling up to kick your ass. Yes, 100%. This is a monster that if you get... Okay, here's the thing I will say about this. um, About Do they have a name? Do we decide? Swordbreaker. Swordbreaker, duh. (laughs) This is the thing that I will say about Swordbreaker. It just came to me. If you get strong enough in fantasy, Swordbreaker, DBZ style, like deems you worthy and they appear. Mm -hmm. It's almost like... I'm thinking very Pokemon. We've been referencing Pokemon. We're referencing DBZ. It's almost like in an RPG... This monster will only appear once you've hit level 100. Yeah. And it's like, I heard you were pretty strong. It's like, clang, clang, and this thing appears. And then when it doesn't have a fight, I feel like it goes back to underneath the city to its lair where it once found purpose. And that's where it waits until it detects a new challenger. I like that. I like that. Like, it's just this, it's almost, it's a legend. It's a myth. But it's real if you're fucking strong, if it deems you strong enough. Because I feel like if this thing has spent millennia fighting and it knows everyone's moves, it's it's basically like um, Taskmaster mixed with Goku and Jiren mixed with Perfect Cell. It's that kind of energy that just sits in this lair scanning the world for a, a worthy opponent that it can fight with because Ginger Galangal and Standy Pico have removed its... What the fuck did you just send me? <laughs> Sorry, I, I meant for you to finish Inc- your monologue. Incredible. <laughs> because Ginger Galangal and Standy Pico have removed this uh, robot's function, now it just scans the world waiting to kind of 
beat someone's ass. Um, yeah, their purpose was their purpose was to fight and to find someone to throw down with. I love uh, how many. So what's the city that they're under? Just want to name it so we can get maybe get back to it later. Yeah. It's like, what's built on top of the Quasar fucking keep? Is it like a small town or a big ass city? I'm getting big ass city vibes. Okay. Big ass city. And it is, I feel like the city that's built on top of the Quasar keep benefits from being on top of the building out of the ruins of the this yeah. cosmic dungeon. I picture it's a lot of like, um, I picture it's a lot of like buildings carved into dungeon tunnels and stuff. Yes. Like it's it a, is. Yes. They reap like this was a naturally occurring dungeon. And when they vanished, when they banished this dungeon to the ether, like those tunnels and rooms and things didn't go away. So like, it's a lot of like. It's a lot of like outer space or like um like uh like space station style like tunnel buildings and stuff. I fuck with it because you said in the old school Quasar Keep episode that the Quasar Keep is a sentient dungeon that exists to kind of like consume fantasy. Basically like mm-hmm. um it slowly like devours the world yeah. and it you it becomes a part of it. So I feel like the city itself would be pretty heady built into it like you open the door to the street and suddenly you're in a space station. But if you exit the airlock of the space station, you're in a jungle and it's, it's this ever growing like fantasy ass dungeon world that makes no sense, but people have figured out how to map it out and make it make sense that you can fucking live in it. So I do like the idea of, of Swordbreaker living within it because this is like the final boss of this dungeon. It, it lives sick. within this like city and essentially locked away somewhere in an area that is untouched. If you open this one door that's like says warning, do not enter chained up. You enter the old ruins of the final battle of the Quasar Keep where Sandy Pico and Ginger Gallengall basically clapped the ass cheeks of Swordbreaker. And that's like that room is forever locked in time with a giant robot that wants to beat your ass in it. Yeah, I think it's sick. What's the city called? The city is called... This is this would be wild to like, and I feel like this city is the thing that kind of teeters on, you know how every world has like the magic city that's like full of mystery and wizards. See, I so I think it was because I thought of the name. I thought of the name as you said. Every every world has the blank. Yeah. Is this is this new Quasar? Is this our New York? Yes, this is new Quasar, and in new Quasar, it is where you go to get. Like it's where merchants sell pretty much in RPGs. There's the town before the end of the game where they sell super high level shit. This is that's yeah. new Quasar. If you want really, really strong magical items, learning impossible spells. If you need to learn a secret about the world, you go to new Quasar that, that it is a it is a place that holds the secrets of the cosmos within it quite literally. And I, I love the aesthetic. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in because I said because I said that every fantasy have every fantasy world has a New York and I'm yep. leaning into it. Yes, please. I love that there are new that there's like modern city I love a good uh Hellboy style goblin market aesthetic. Ooh, yes, and like, please. I love a good um I love a good urban fantasy. Me I too. love a good I love a good Hellboy, I love a good uh sandman and i think that this is a place where like there's graffitis and there's and 100%. like there's graffiti and there's like um Cars. there is like a legitimate sub like a legitimate like l train that like goes between tunnels and like it's uh similar to the trolleys in philly it's a little bit above ground it's a little bit below ground but like there's like city shit yeah 
which is not uncommon for us, which we have a lot of in our show, but this one like looks like a city. This one looks like New York. This has like the aesthetic of like of like a a big 70s New York is what I picture in my head. Okay. I like that with way more neon. Yeah, 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 like a like 70s cyberpunk New York. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. And New Quasar is is the place where like you would play tech noir. Um yeah, I just think that's sick. I think it's like the, like New Quasar is like a is like a a city ass city. Yeah, it's a city ass city. And in this city ass city is a giant robot locked away that will beat the fucking shit out of you if you get strong enough. And everyone knows it. This is the city full of secrets, mystery, magic, technology, all dope shit because yeah. it's all connected to like this weirdly otherworldly energy. The Quasar Keep. It's literally made out of the carcass of it. Fuck with it. Yeah. I, people living in a sentient dungeon's corpse. <laughs> we, this is the, now the second corpse that people of fantasy are living in. And I welcome corpse cities. I'm, I'm all about it. You know what? Like big, giant, weird corpses. Like, yeah, live in it. Move in. Yeah, there's tons of rooms. <laughs> Why not? It's fucking, you need a house? There's room in the Quasar Keep. Just turn that old dungeon where Ginger Gallengall to beat up a bunch of like Mandragora, turn it into your fucking garden and live in your cottage core fantasy, man. Live <laughs> your sick. dreams. Just don't get too strong or Swordbreaker will fuck you up. Oh, is that a wrap? I have a I have a 30 second little thing. Please. Swordbreaker is sitting in their in their their abode. They're sitting, they're watching. I think it, it's open like they have forced it open on one side. So they've like blown a hole in the like mountain or yeah. hilled so like they can look out to the horizon and they're looking and you just see their eyes narrow and like they kind of stand up and they twirl their their hydraulic press arms and they kind of pound them together in the sort of MMA fighter style yep. and they flex their shoulders and they go, finally, an opponent worth my time and they walk out. And um, we follow, we see the camera fly to the far other side of the world, thousands upon thousands of miles away. Uh, and there is a snowy mountaintop. Um, and like it is a, a pristine mountain. There are there are pine trees. And then down that mountain, uh, there is an explosion of snow drifting down on a snowboard surrounded by two dragons and a griffin. Uh, a young woman comes ripping down the mountain, looks <laughs> up, it. looks up and goes, ah, fuck me. <laughs> Conjure has to kill a giant robot now. Conjure's, uh, maybe not kill, but like, Beat you know, throw down shit with. out of, yeah, throw of down with. Yeah. We, we were, we were like, it's like, it's gotta, it's gonna find somebody big and powerful. And I was like, we've repeatedly said that this character is like, Conjure's like kills God, basically. <laughs> Could kill God. It's like, and I'm like, well, then that's gotta be the, that's gotta be the big, the Marvel style post credits. That is 100. Oh, that's the teaser for the next episode moment. Yep. I love this. I love this a lot. I like Swordbreaker's existence. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a, it's another thing that I like where it's like, yeah, this is a weird episode where we talked about some stuff, but it does expand. One, we made a new city. Um, two, we talked about robots, which I want to talk about more. I love the mm -hmm. iron workers, but this just bangs. And that's a wrap on Swordbreaker, the little robot that couldn't. <laughs> love it. What do I usually say? Oh, uh, thank you so much to Dwayne Feenstra for your prompt. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own, there are a gajillion ways to do it. I think there are four, actually. I'm tired of saying it because I've been lying to you this whole time. 
Jeff, what are the four ways? You could probably ways? find you could find other ways to do it. Like you, there I would love to see it. <laughs> you could like like I'm not inviting you to find my address, but like if no. I got a letter in the mail that just said prompt, I'd be like, Pro- oh, I'd be like fuck. I would I would I would intentionally not pick it for the show. However, I would respect you. But I'd be <laughs> like, would. nice try, motherfucker. Dox me. Not not just for that, I'm not gonna pick your prompt. <laughs> you went through all that effort to find where I live. Now I'm not even going to acknowledge you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. Or you can go to bit.oy slash AMFC discord and post them in the prompt submission channel. Oh, yeah. Jeff has other podcasts. Don't know how it's done, but it is done. Jeff, would you like to talk about them? Barely. Barely. Um, uh, yeah, Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every week at partyofonepodcast.com. Dang. Dope. Um, Verbal hug this week. I'm about to give you a verbal hug. Jeff, do you have anything off the top of your head? Hmm. I have a little brief one. Go for it. Be careful with working too much. Um, I am realizing that I, now that I'm in a place that I want to be in terms of my career, I am doing entirely too much in the course of, uh, I, I no longer have free time. I had to sit down and literally beat uh, The Last of Us Part Two. I didn't know it was like a 40 hour fucking game. I intentionally beat it in like a week because I was like, you're just going to get this done so that you can get back to fucking working. So be easy on yourself. Even if you're doing the fucking thing. Okay, this this is my big point. When you don't have the thing and you're not doing the thing and you're in your grind and your hustle phase and you're trying to get where you want to be and you're running your marathon because it's sprint, not a marathon. When you get the thing, you think that's all you're going to do. Oh my God, I can't wait to just do this morning, noon and night. It's going to consume me. I hear all my favorite creators talk about how much they work on their project and how they're always so tired because they're always living their dream, working on their pro. Yo, fucking be careful because motherfucker, it will be all you do and not in a cute way, in an unhealthy way where there becomes no balance because ten tech- usually when you don't have the thing and you're not, you know, you're still on the grind, running the marathon, you have pretty good fucking work-life balance because you're not getting the, quote, results that you want. So you're like, let me put this down. I'm going to go live my motherfucking life. I'm going to go touch some grass and I'm going to go hug a loved one. But when you have the thing, and I put that in air quotes because you never have the thing, you your work-life balance goes to dog shit. So don't let it. Go outside, touch some fucking grass and hug a loved one. <laughs> but seriously, um, be nice to yourself and take breaks I have been sitting in front of Audacity for six hours straight today, and that's a bad idea because this is my day off. Um, But uh, don't do as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. But go outside, touch some grass, hug a loved one, and be easy on yourself because every time that you break the tape, when it's a sprint, not a marathon, every time you break that marathon tape, you start another fucking marathon. Then there's another thing of tape in front of you. Don't think it ever ends. So be careful with how you approach your work and your passions. A cautionary tale by me. Jeff, what do you have? Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself in your relationship with the work in whatever form the work takes. And do not let the frustrations of the work. And I say that with a focus on like the my the day-to-day frustrations. I say that with the day-to-day frustrations. 
Okay. Do not let the day-to-day frustrations compromise your ability to enjoy the positive part, the fulfilling, meaningful parts of the work. I dig that. It is very easy to get swept up in the exhaustion and the frustration and the grind and the petty annoyances and the all of these things in the work. Like, it is very easy to hit these things and get wrapped up in these things. All of that stuff is, it will never not be present and it will never not be easy to allow yourself to fall into the rabbit hole of, I'm going to indulge it and I'm going not going to stop indulging it. This is not to say like, don't in like never indulge it because that is, that is toxic positivity and that is not a like a sustainable way to live. Like you have to give those negative impulses and the frustrations and allow yourself to be annoyed and frustrated and exhausted and all these other things. But it is very easy to like when things are 80% good to see that as worse than it is. Yeah. And like it is easy to, you know, there are there are there are profound substantial problems and then there's petty shit and it is easy to get wrapped up in the petty shit. And I my verbal hug for you is like allow yourself to acknowledge the petty shit, occasionally laugh at the petty shit, pop some popcorn, uh, take a sip of uh, a sip of your non-alcoholic or alcoholic drink of choice and, and bask in the petty shit, but don't allow it to consume you. I will have to agree with that. Whew, is that all we do on the show? I think it's all we do on this show. So until next time, good night and good game. Hello, Junior Wizards, Senior Wizard Aaron here. And it's been a while. I know this. But anyway, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with all my fantasy children that we are so excited to announce eventually. How we're going to announce it? Oh, you know us. We're full of cryptic mysteries and secrets. So why not have our big reveal done in a secret, fun way? Is there an ARG puzzle coming out? No, totally not. Definitely not. But since you listened to this long, maybe. Um, But anyway, maybe stay tuned to our social media, Aaron, Jeff, and the podcasts for a little bit uh, in the next coming days slash week and see if anything's coming out so that we can make our big announcement for you. Hee hee. Um, Other than that, uh, if you're listening to this, especially after the announcement's made, hey there, thanks for listening to me rant for so long. I love you. You're great. But if you're here when the episode comes out fairly recently, get hyped. There's a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be doing with our world and playing. Um, I have said too much. Playing with it in it. Who knows? Anyway, stay tuned for us. We have a lot of cool stuff. It's been an amazing seven years of making this podcast, and I cannot wait to keep chopping away with all of you. If you're a new listener, I love you. If you're an old listener, I love you, too. Anyway, talk to you soon. Goodbye.